Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Today, I have a message that I simply titled, Work It Out. And I know you're in a series of Revive, and Revive means give new strength or energy to something. And so it's, it's something that exists that God wants to bring even more energy to. And you guys have so much energy that, that God wants to take you to another level. Amen. And the thing about the church world in the last, you know, 20, 25 years is we have become a place where we structure God right out of our services. We become, we, we have too many churches in America today that, that intellectualize the gospel. But no matter how much of this you, you know, if you're not born again, if you don't believe God, then you're not going to get much different or better. Um, you know, people read this as a history book. It is not a history book. Does it have some history in it? Sure it does. But it's a book of life. Every word on this page is life to my flesh. And, and we, we need to come back to where we wait on the Lord a little bit. Some of us need answers. How many of y'all need answers to some things in your life? See, we, how are you going to get those? You're not, they're not going to come just, just by osmosis. You're not going to just put your pillow, you know, your, your Bible under your pillow and sleep and say, oh, I got the answer. We're going to have to do something. And, and one of those things is waiting on the Lord. Part of working out, when I talk, call this work it, work it out, it's talking about working out our salvation. How does that happen? So when you're born again, God does all the work. You can't do anything. You don't deserve salvation. We don't earn it. God, when we ask Jesus to be Lord of our life, he comes in and changes the inside of us and, and changes us from darkness to light, from a child of the devil to a child of God. And when he does that, then he says, now you're responsible for your thinking. And so working out our salvation is changing the way we think to get in line with what's in our heart. And that's the only way you can walk with God. Too many Christians live an existing life. They're just existing. But not enough Christians live a satisfied life. And I don't know about you, but I want to serve God and be satisfied. I, 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 it doesn't mean you have everything you want or you're not striving to do more. But there's this, this peace about us, that's this contentment that I can wait on the Lord until he opens this door. And can I say this to somebody in here? Sometimes God says no. I don't know who that's for, but sometimes God just says no. We have to understand that. Everybody that I talk to, people go, man, I prayed about it. God said yes. I said, isn't it amazing? He says yes to everything. Now, when I grew up, my parents didn't say yes to a lot of things. But somehow God is, you know, the, the, the magic wand guy, and, and, and we just order him around, and, and God, I really want to do this. Can I tell you something? One of the things of working out our salvation is learning what's God and what's me. Because God knows what's best for all of us. Some of you may hate your job where you're at, but how do you not know God didn't open that door and want you there? And so we got to change our attitude. You got to change your attitude. If God opens and closes doors, you're right where you're supposed to be. And, and it may be hard, but maybe there's some things you need to grow in. When I first got saved, I, you know, I went to Bible school a year later, and then from there I went to work at UPS, and then I officiated football, basketball, fast-pitch softball. That's where I got my training to do what I'm doing today. 
Now, if you'd asked me or asked anybody, they said, that's not training for ministry. But God trained me for ministry. He said, how did he train you to do what you're doing today? Because at UPS, whether you were hurt, tired, sad, you know, whatever, mad, you still had to serve people and deliver packages. And you still had to be kind to them. Just for the record, when, you, when a delivery man, UPS, FedEx comes to your house and hands you a package, let me tell you what, don't, don't ever ask, what is it? Because how we see it, like, how do I know? I didn't order the stinking thing. It's your package. You do it. Seriously, don't do it because the UPS guy or someone walking around and said, how, how do I know what's in the box? Huh? You want me to open it? You know? But, but I learned, I learned to serve people no matter how, what kind of day I was having. Even when I got injured, you serve, you keep serving. He's saying, then I officiated for 20-something years. I'm like, God, why does this door keep staying open? And here's what God taught me. I'm going to tell you something, guys, wherever you're at, and I don't know who this is for. This is like words of knowledge. Wherever you're at, God needs you to learn something. So when I was officiating, here's what he taught me. Steve, you don't get too puffed up when people tell you you're great, and you don't get too down when people tell you you're not great. You have to know, because I could ref a, a basketball game, and a coach could say that's the greatest officiated game I've seen, and a week later I could do him again, and he could tell me you're the worst official I've ever seen. Folks, if you believe the press, you have to believe the negative. What we need to learn is to believe what God wants us. So God taught me just to stay humble, that whatever we have, don't get too prideful and be willing to serve. So Philippians 2, 12 and 13 says, dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you and now I'm away. It is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. A lot of translation says, um, you know, work, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. The New Living says it hard to show uh, the results of your salvation. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, in us, in y'all. He's working in us, giving us, giving you the desire and power to do what pleases him. That this is why we have to work it out so we can have that desire. Listen, we should have a desire to please God. Whether you know how to do it or not is another thing you can learn, but we should have a desire. I just want to please God, whatever that means. And then we have to go learn what that means. And so work it out or work hard means to live out one's faith, to carry out correctly to work it to full completion, to practice, to demonstrate, to continually work, to bring something to completion. It also means, it means take what God has given you and work it out in your life. In other words, you can always get better. You can always be, you can always hone your skills. You can always, we can always get better. In fact, we should be striving to get better. Folks, let me just throw this out. This is another whole message, but if you spend 14 minutes and 24 seconds a day on one issue in your life, in a year, you'll be 37% better in that area. 1% of your day is 14 minutes and 24 seconds. So tomorrow, get up 14 minutes and 24 seconds earlier, read your Bible for a few minutes, pray for a few minutes, and then learn to be quiet in front of God for a few minutes, and then have a journal and write, and you'll be amazed what God says to you. 14 minutes and 24 seconds a day that's 1% can change your life forever. Wow. But sometimes we have a hard time giving God any time. 
And so when it says work out, it's like a conductor that has a full orchestra. They, the, the, and we know if they have a full orchestra but, and they have music, but if the orchestra doesn't play, the music's not going to be heard. So that's what he's talking about, working out. We have to work it out. So they must work out their parts and play the music so we can hear it. So we need to work out what God has put in us. A holy concern, if you would, to give God the honor and avoid his chastening, chastening and his displeasure. You know, so many people, you know, I, I marvel at the scripture in Matthew 7, 21, 22, 23. In fact, just to let you know, it's the scripture that scares me more than any scripture in the Bible. And you say, why would it scare you? Because in that day, these guys walk up to Jesus and start giving Jesus their resume. Lord, we built buildings in your name. We bashed the demons. We cast out devils. Look at us. Can I ask you guys something? And then Jesus says to them, then I'll ask you a question. Jesus says to them, I have no idea who you are. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness and iniquity. Let me tell you something. Who are we to give God our resume when he's God? God, we're going to tell you how great we are? Really? That's what we're going to do to God. God, let me tell you how good I am. And that's why Jesus rejected them, because they didn't have a humble heart. They wanted to do what they wanted to do, but they wouldn't do what God wanted them to do. And it's the same way in the church world today. People come up all the time, I just want to do something big for God. What are you doing for God now? Well, I'm just waiting on him. No, you'll never do anything big because you're not willing to do anything small. And the small things are the most important things. Come on. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. And so what does Jesus say? What does the Bible say? Every Christian should be in church regularly. If you're a true believer, you should be serving somewhere. And you should bring your tithes. A minimum of bring your tithes. You say, well, I don't want to do that. The reason that you're in and out a lot is because you haven't given God your heart. And we never give him our heart till we give him our treasure. There's no heart. <clears throat> so I may like you. We may be acquaintances, but I can walk away from an acquaintance in a second. But if we're true friends, it's harder to walk away. That's why it hurts when they break up. You break up or you, you, you have a friendship for a long time. They get mad at each other and then they, we're no longer friends. That's why it hurts. Because I've given my heart to now to this friendship. And Jesus wants our heart. How do you know if he's got your heart? Does he have your pocketbook? I'm not your pastor. Your pastor's an incredible pastor. And I'm not, and I'm not talented like Pastor Jurgen. He's got, I, don't, I asked him, how many voices can you do? And he said, I don't know, a lot. And he looks good. He has an accent. He has great hair. I don't have any of that. And he can sing a little bit on top of that, I found out. I'm like, my goodness, I, God, when he passed out gifts, he said, yeah, you nub, you got, you ain't getting nothing. <laughs> and I've always wanted to sing, but I, I just make a joyful noise. It's not pretty. And all I have to do is sing in front of my wife, and she's like, oh, my gosh, Steve, stop, stop. You're hurting me. In the morning of 1848, gold was found and it began what is known as the California Gold Rush. It ended in 1855. It brought approximately 300,000 people from the rest of the U.S. and abroad to here. And once the gold was panned and harder to find, because they were told there's gold like on the streets, you just find it everywhere. But once it was panned and harder to find, they knew that the only place they might find gold is in the mines. But to get it, you had to work very hard. You had to work very hard to get it. It wasn't easy. Right. And dig to get it out. 
That is what working your own salvation means. We must mine our lives to discover what God has placed in us. And how does that happen, preacher? It happens over a period of time. You know, before I got saved, my family, there's five kids in my family, my parents said, of all my five kids, the one that would be, that would, we would ever see speaking in front of people, the last one would be me. Out of the five, they said, Steve, you're the one we never picked to do this. All the other ones could do it. Like my younger brother, he was a speech and debate champion and a football player. So if he didn't, if you be, debated him too much, he'd just fight you. So he liked and he could get up in front of people. Me, I died a thousand deaths. I would go to school, I would do my reports, and the teachers say, Hey, Steve, you got to read them in front of the class. And I'd be like, I'm not going to do it. I was terrified. Wow. And, and actually, probably horrified was the more. And I'd go home and tell my parents, Man, mom, I got an F on this paper. She said, Why? I said, Because I wouldn't read it in front of people. And they just said, Okay. They knew it. They knew. I just, I died a thousand deaths. And so, but yet I get born again. And then God leads me to be a preacher. Come, go, what? <laughs> and the very first sermon I preached at Bible school, I was supposed to go 10 minutes. I went, it went like this, and it was over. Like, <laughs> did that even last 30 seconds? I stayed up all night. I couldn't sleep all night, literally all night going over it. And I'm like, I got it, I got it. And when I got up there, I went so fast, I went, and the, and the teacher said, is that it? You're supposed to go 10 minutes. I said, it felt like about an hour. <laughs> And it lasted a minute because it was too fast. So, folks, listen. I, had to, I, I didn't even know what I was doing, but, you know, you just keep walking with God, and God develops and lets you know because every one of us has something to offer and to help and to do. Everybody does. But you'll never find it the cheap way. Well, I go to church. He should just tell me. No, you got you to gotta seek him. God's just going to give you something, and you, and you not use it. So when you seek him and then you find it, it's more precious to you. And so I was picked last. In fact, when I got out of Bible school, no one hired me. Not one person wanted me. Out of all the churches, not one offered me a job. So here I am, I'm a Bible school student and I'm going to work at UPS. And I resented it for a lot of years. Today I don't because I, I realized what God was doing. Can I say this? Wherever you're at, God can teach you, but you got to work it out you got to trust that what he has for you is good, that it's not bad. And so once the gold was panned and hard to find, they had to dig it out. So if we take the time to dig work, you will discover what God has put in you, in us. But like everything worth having, it doesn't come cheap. In other words, we got to learn to wait on the Lord again. We want everything like McDonald's. You know, I, I, I like, I don't really like McDonald's, but my grandkids like McDonald's. And so when I go through McDonald's, the thing I hate to hear is when I get to the window and they said, sir, would you pull up to that window? I'm like, wait a minute, what, what is the holdup? I'll change my order. I don't want, I don't like that window. I mean, how many of y'all know what I'm talking about? I don't go there to wait. I'm like, oh no, and I get like, I get like, what, what, wait, 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 wait. this is a fast food joint. I, I no. And sometimes I order filet of fish and that's what holds it up. I said, I'll change it. Just give me a small hamburger. I don't, I don't care. I don't want to go to the window because we're always in a hurry. And even though it only takes another minute or two, it's just the fact that they moved me up there. And everybody else is getting their food behind me driving by. And I'm like, wait, I feel left out. Come on. But that's how we seek God. We, God, you just give me everything now or forget it. And that's not how it works. 
I'm still learning what God wants me to do. And I've been doing this a long time. If you ask me, I still don't know what my future holds. But I know someone that does. So we better stay closer to him because he's the only one that knows. And the way you do that is learning to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It does not mean being nervous or full of anxiety. Fear means reverence or respect. Awe could also be the physical act of worship, obedience. It means obedience by holding God in great respect. Trembling means quake or tremble. It means a sincere heart. It means means to be obedient. That I'm going to serve God. I'm going to work out what God has given me freely, something I didn't deserve, I didn't earn. None of us earn or can deserve salvation. You can't earn it because if I could earn it, I could brag and I could tell John and I could tell Pastor John, I say, hey, listen, look how great I am. That's what happened in Matthew 7, 21. They weren't working out their salvation. They just wanted to be noticed and be great. And the greatest in the kingdom is what? The servant, the least of, the servant of all. We are called to serve. Let me tell you this. And part of working out my salvation with fear and trembling was learning to humble myself. After I got out of Bible school, I got, I got ordained. I did prison ministry. And when I did prison ministry, I went to church at Church on the Move at Willie George's church. Have you ever heard of him? And I was a part of that church. I, he's been my pastor for over 30 years. And so we, we go to the church, and one day Pastor George gets up from the pulpit and says, listen, I'm not going to preach unless I get 10 ushers. Well, before, because we sit, you know, where creatures have, how many of y'all sit basically in the same basic place? Come on. I, my wife and I did. So we're sitting there, and this low white was an usher in that area, and he talked to us every Sunday. He came up to me before the service and said, hey, Steve, you ever think about being an usher? And I looked at him, and I didn't say it. I just kind of gave him that look like, what? And then I, inside, I'm like, I'm no usher. I'm a preacher. I preach in prisons. What the heck? I'm no usher. That's what I thought. Then my wife, who thinks she's the Holy Spirit sometimes, she she goes, Steve, why don't you be an usher? And I said, I'm no usher. And I said, be honest with you. I don't care if he preaches at all. Because he said, if I don't get 10 ushers, I'm not preaching. I said, don't preach then. I don't care. I'm not going to be one. The next day, I'm driving my UPS truck. I deliver a country route, and this is, I'm praying, you know, just because I'm by myself in the country, you got to talk to cows or pray. <laughs> and so I'm praying, and the Spirit of God began to deal with my heart, and here's what came to my mind. Steve, if you won't serve me from down here, you'll never serve me from up there. Wow. And let me tell you something. It changed my life. Because wow. we didn't have phones back then, so I go to the pay phone, because you didn't have phones. And I called the church. <laughs> I just pulled over to a payphone, called the church and said, listen, how do I become an usher? Can I tell you something, guys? My, some of my funnest Christian years was, was uh, when I was an usher at Church on the Move in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Not pastoring, but serving people. It was just fun. I just liked it. And I realized how when you humble yourself, how much grace God gives you so you know what it is you're supposed to do. I ushered, I hosted their hospitality room. Hey, on behalf of Pastor Willie George, we thank you for attending today. As Pastor George would say, if you don't live here, you need to move here. God wants you to and join the church. <laughs> All this food is for you. You can jo- join if you have any questions. We're here with as a team to answer. I could do it. And I didn't mind. In fact, that's all I ever wanted to do was just serve. 
because of what God showed me. Can I tell you something? When you begin to stick with God, he'll show you things that'll change your life forever if you're willing to work it out. But in order to work it out, we can never be ashamed. Too many people today. I want to say it this way, and I know this sounds kind of mean, but the only people that need to come out of the closet are believers. We need to know, we need to be known everywhere. It may cost you friendships, it may cost you something, but it'll be worth it. We should, we, people should know how we're going to win people unless they know. They see us when we're down, how we react. They see us when we're doing good, how we react. They see us when we're angry, how we react. And then they're like, there's something else out there. And we all know it's God. So we're, we're to be examples of that. And so we can't be ashamed. Romans 1.16 says, for I am not ashamed of this, God, of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. Being ashamed means being unwilling to identify yourself as a follower of Christ because of fear and embarrassment, humiliation, ridicule, or disapproval. Folks, I lost all my friends when I got saved. No one told me I was going to lose them. I was asked to leave a party, and my friend said, Smellin', we want nothing to do with you. You're different. You're ruining our party because I'm praying with people. They're crying. These guys are, and I'm not a crier, so I didn't know. I'm like, quit crying, dude. We're just praying. <laughs> Seriously, I'm like, dude, stop it. Then they kind of want to hug on you. And back then, I'm like, you're not hugging on me, dude. Stay away. You're crying. I ain't holding you. That's not what dudes do. It's like, suck it up. Get over it. But I didn't know. I didn't know God enough to know God was dealing with them. So they're like, oh, I need to get right with God. And I'm like, stop crying and we can pray. I'm serious. It was like, stop it. But then they told me to leave. I didn't realize when I got saved I was going to lose all my friends. No one told me that. Wow. So I had a choice. Either you go back with them or you stay with God. I'm going to tell you something. The best choice was staying with God. Yeah. The best choice. But you can't be ashamed. Because if you're ashamed of him, he'll be ashamed of you. Mark 8, 838. If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, if we're unwilling to be identified, to be known as a believer in Christ, whomever we're with. If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days. Now, he's not talking about someone in adultery. He's talking about the whole world is, is, is with serving another God, if you would. And, and there's only one God. And then there's the devil, the God of this world. Every other God that people do are fictional. They're fairy tales. Yep. Yep. That's why the coexist bumper sti sticker is the, is the dumbest one I've ever seen. How does, how does me and my, the only true God, coexist with fairy tale gods? Disneyland gods. Think about it. And so we, we can't be ashamed. And so if we are, he goes on to say in these sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of the person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Folks, I don't want him to not associate with me. You know, my last name is Smotherman, and, and I'm going to say this. I've never been ashamed of my last name. I've never been ashamed to be associated with my mom and dad. 
Like, that's my dad. That's my mom. In fact, can you imagine if my dad was with me and someone walked up and said, hey, Steve, is that your dad? I said, that's not my dad. I just want you to get that picture for a moment. How, how, I wonder how he would feel. Like, Steve, what do you mean you're not? I'm not your dad. Are you ashamed of me? Are you ashamed of our name? And let me tell you, my, our name, my family was crazy. I, I, my brother that's four years older than me was the dumbest drug dealer in America. Like he was a drug dealer. That's what he did. And, and you say, why was he dumb? Because he kept selling to undercover cops. I'm like, dude, if you're going to be a drug dealer, get some intelligence. What the heck? And they busted him, and they gave him a five-year suspended sentence, and then, they gave him a, and then he got busted again, selling to an undercover cop, got a 10-year suspended sentence. My oldest brother, who's now 66, it was 67, he, he was a, a heroin addict and an alcoholic and mean and vicious, like vicious mean, like crazy, vicious, demonic mean. But I was still never ashamed of my name. Folks, let me tell you something. In this Christian world, there's, there's good people, bad people, great people, sad people, happy people, rugged people that are, call themselves believers. And it's still our family. And I, I don't know about you. I just want to be associated with God's family. As, as messed up as we might be. But I was never ashamed of them. And then there was this sincere, heartfelt thing in me to please my dad. My dad was a good dad. He wasn't saved till the end of his life. He drank beer all the time. He was a Vietnam, Korean veteran. He was a big dude and loved to fight. Like I'm 17, 18 years old and he's coming to the house at 42, 45 and he's mad. I said, what's wrong? He said, I just got in a fight. Now he never harmed me. He was a good dad. But one day I came home and I was drunk. I was drunk, drunk. And I drove my car home that he bought me. And my dad was at the VFW, and he got drunk and drove home, and we got home about the same time. So my mom described it as one drunk telling another drunk not to drive drunk. That's how my mom describes it. Seriously, that's, that's what she said. But what happened was my dad started to get on me, and I was drunk and dumb, and he's big, and he, yeah. And I grabbed my car keys, and I threw them at him. Yeah, big mistake. Yeah. And then I said some choice words that ended with you. Uh. Within a moment of time, he was right here. Whoa. And my dad was the type that if you challenged him as a man, he whooped you as a man. Yeah. You challenged him as a son, that's one thing. You challenged him as a man. Wow. My oldest brother challenged him. My dad picked him up from jail. He was in jail. My dad picked him up from jail, drove past our street. And my brother goes, hey, dad, there's our street. He said, oh, we're not going home. He said, what do you mean we're not going home, my brother? He said, we're going out in the country. He said, Dad, why are we going to the country? He said, because we're going to fight. He said, you think, you think you can whoop me? This is the house I grew up in. You think you can whoop me? His name's Brian. Brian, we're going to go settle this man to man. We're going to see if you can or not. That's the way you grew up. It's honor. You're messing with me? Let's just settle this man to man now. What did my brother do? Dad, I'm not going to fight you. No, you are going to fight me. I'm going to whoop your butt. And he goes, Dad, I'm not going to do it. And my dad said, are we settled here? And my brother said, Dad, we're settled. I'll never treat you like that again. So when I did that to my dad, threw those keys at him, and my dad was all about respecting the home. It was his home. I disrespected him in the house. After that, he wouldn't talk to me for about three weeks. Broke my heart. I'm named after my dad. I love my dad. I miss him. 
He passed away. I miss him to this day. And I was so sad because I'd walk in and say, Dad, I'm going to go do that. And he'd just say, I don't care what you do. Do Go do what you want. Or he wouldn't respond to me at all. For three weeks this went on. I couldn't take it. So one day I sucked it up, humbled myself, and I went to the backyard. He was out there leaning against a post, cooking steak. He liked porterhouse steaks, grilling steaks on the grill. And he's just leaning there, and he wouldn't even acknowledge that I walked out there. He wouldn't even look at me. So I walked, and I was on this side of him. And I said, Dad, listen, I'm so sorry. I know what I did was wrong. I'll never do it again. And I'll never forget his response. He just said, okay. And after that, everything was normal. It was like it never happened. Can I say this? My dad wasn't even born again and was a great example to me of what, how God does. When you blow it and you say, God, man, I blew it, man. I'm going to work on it. He says, okay, and never remembers it anymore. My dad, for the rest of our lives, he's never, before he passed away, he never brought that story up ever again because he said, okay. But it took me to humble myself because I had this sincere desire to please my dad. Can I tell you something? God says you don't even have that desire on your own. He said, I'll give you that desire to please me. And when you don't, that's why we repent. We don't run from God. We don't run away from God. We don't say, well, I've done too much. God can't forgive me. There's, there, God's grace is bigger than any sin that you could ever do. Or how many you do. Thank God we serve the God of another chance. I don't want to serve the God of one chance or second chance or third chance. You know why? Because I need millions of chances. I don't know about you. Anybody else need millions? I need millions. Thank God he's the God of another chance. But we please him. Here he gives us a choice. We can reject Jesus now, being ashamed of him, and be rejected by him at the second coming. Or we can accept him now and be associated with his name. That's why when people pray, I always always want to pray in the name of Jesus. Let people know in his name. Who who is he? Let's just just be associated with his name. I am proud to be associated with the name of Jesus. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what my governor says. I'm just telling you, that's the way we're supposed to live. Does it mean you're perfect? No. Does it mean you're going to make mistakes? Yes. Does it mean you're going to blow it? Yes. But we serve the God of another chance. And all we have to do is humble ourselves and say, God, man, I blew that. And God, I, I just can hear him like, okay, we're good. That's simple as that. See, there's no penance with God. We just... We get it right. And if you get it right and the next day you get it wrong, then you, you, you strive to get it right again. We just don't ever stop. That's what means working it out. We don't quit digging. Because you never know what's in us. You never know what's in you. Who would ever thought that when I was in high school, my buddies went back then when I became a preacher, they laughed. They're like, you're going to become a what? Smelling, you can't even talk in front of a class. I know, it's the dumbest thing in life. I mean, it's the dumbest thing I've ever thought in my life. And I used to think to myself, even when I was in Bible school, how can I ever do this? I'm so terrified. To this day, I still get nervous. Like, and I do this all the time. I still get the butterflies. Like, we're going to go play, John. It's like, we're going to go play a game. He's lucky I don't throw up every now and then. Like, brother, and then like, okay, I'm ready. Anybody played sports, you know what I'm talking about? You just get geared up. It's like, let's go. Let's go. Let's go hit them. Let's go get somebody. 
you know, whatever it is you're playing. But God, everybody say, but God. God God is there. God digs it out. God says, work it out. Psalms 111.10 says, fear the Lord. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. And all who obey his commands will grow in wisdom. So we must work it out. And one way to work it out is to let go of our past. You can't move forward with God if you're going to hang on to your past. And I've done this for a long time, and I don't know how many times I've talked to people and they tell me a story. And I'm like, that's terrible. I mean, it's just heartbreaking. I said, when did this happen? I said, 20 years ago. I'm like, wait a minute. You sounded like it happened yesterday. It's still that fresh in you after 20 years? You know what that means? You can't go forward because you haven't let go of your past. Let me read you a story. I love this story. It's a true story about how tribesmen caught monkeys in Africa. What they would do would be to take a coconut and make a hole that is just big enough for a monkey's hand to go into. However, once the hand is closed, it will not be able to come out. They would then tie this coconut to a tree and next they would place a handful of peanuts in the coconut, into the coconut and leave a trail of them along the ground all the way to a nearby forest where they would then sit and just wait patiently. Sure enough, a monkey would soon appear and start picking up the peanuts one by one. Upon reaching the coconut, he would plunge his hand into the large fruit and grab as many peanuts as he can. The next thing he knows, his hand is trapped in the coconut with his fist full of nuts. He cannot take his hand out. Once knowing that it has been trapped, the monkey will then scream and shout and alert the tribesmen who will then come along and capture the monkey or kill the monkey. This poor monkey would then lose its freedom forever one way or the other. Here's what's sad. Now at any point in time, could the monkey have actually escaped? And the answer is, of course he could. All he had to do was let the peanuts go. But you know what? The nature of the monkey is such that it would never let go of its peanuts. And that cannot be our nature. Folks, whatever's in your past, how hurtful, harsh, you got to let go of those peanuts. You got to say, God, heal me. I have scars on my body, different ones. I know how I got them. I can tell you how I got them. I can tell you how, you know, when this is a surgery right here, this little one right here is a surgery that I had on my elbow serving God, going to Africa to teach. Then I hurt myself, you know, and then I have to get surgery. And it hurt. I couldn't use my right hand. I'm right-handed. I couldn't use my right hand. I couldn't even snap my belt. I had to say, Cynthia, my wife. You know, Cynthia, some people say to me, Steve, do you have a feminine side? I said, yes, her name is Cynthia. (laughs) And I get in touch with my feminine side as much as possible. Come on, somebody. I tell my wife, even at 61, baby, I still got it, you know. <laughs> but you can't move forward if you're going to let your past keep hurting you. I can tell you how I got this scar, but you know, it doesn't hurt at all because I let it heal. And the more you regurgitate and talk about all the things that hurt you and this person and that person, the more you just keep it alive. What the prayer should be is, God, teach me. To let it go. Heal me so I can move forward in my life. Because if you don't, you'll always be a victim of your circumstances. And it's easy to be a victim 
it's tougher to be a conqueror. And my God made us more than conquerors. And you get to decide. I'm going to read one more thing to you. The title of this is Choose Your Heart. Every one of us has choices to make. Every one of us. But you get to choose your choices. So choose your heart. Being your best is hard. Being your normal is hard. Making wise decisions is hard. Making bad decisions is hard. Being in shape is hard. Being out of shape is hard. Losing weight is hard. Being fat is hard. Working out is hard. Being weak is hard. Being disciplined is hard. Being lazy is hard. Getting out of your comfort zone is hard. Staying in your comfort zone is hard. Starting a business is hard. Working for someone else is hard. Making a lot of money is hard. Making a little bit of money is hard. Being rich is hard and being poor is hard. Having great relationships is hard. Having bad relationships is hard. Having friends is hard. Having no friends is hard. Fighting for your marriage is hard. Divorce is hard. Having a lot of things is hard. Having nothing is hard. Living on purpose is hard. Living off purpose is hard. Doing life God's way is hard. Doing life your own way is hard. Everything is hard, so you get to choose your heart. Yeah, thank God. Thank God. You get to choose. You work it out. Because the salvation you'll work out will be something that you'll look back and say it was worth it. That's how great God is. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for being here. I thank you for teaching us all. And God, right now, I pray your Holy Spirit has been moving in hearts and minds through this whole message. Whether you're online, wherever you're watching it from, from all the places, New York and all those places, God is everywhere at one time. So if you're here or you're watching and you say, Preacher, would you pray with me? I walked with God, but I walked away. I quit working out mine. It got too difficult. I know it can't be. But thank God we have God to help us. We can overcome if we want. If you want to get it right again, this is your option. This is your choice. This is your day. Or if you're here and you said, I've never given God my life. I'm here. I've got invited. I've never given God my life. I don't even know what that means. Well, it means asking Jesus to be Lord of your life. Giving up your will and saying, I'm willing to give it to you, God. You lead. I'll follow. And it's something you can't earn. You say, man, I've messed up. It doesn't matter. You can't earn what God gives us. It's a gift. You just have to receive it. If that's you, in Jesus' name, all over this place, quickly, and you say, preacher, include me in your prayer right where you're seated, would you do me a quick favor? Just, it's so important. And it's a form of confession. In Jesus' name, are you ready? Real quick, if that's you, without any hesitation, would you just lift your hand? Thank you. God bless 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 you. Thank you. God bless you over here. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you, ma'am. God bless you. God bless you, ladies. God bless you. God bless you over here. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much. I'm going to pray. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Thank you. See your hand, sir. God is going to change your life today. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer right out of the book of Romans. Would you pray this with me? And if you're right with God, would you pray it aloud with us also to support those? Would you pray this prayer with me? Would you pray, Father, I choose to believe in Jesus. And I believe he's your son. And I believe he's Lord of all. Jesus, be my Lord. I thank you for saving me and forgiving me. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, 
For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.